0: I live in the glens of Antrim and almost 37 years ago to this night, early November, it was actually in 1987. I was driving home from the north coast of Antrim down to my home in the glens. It was after midnight when I set out on my journey at about 50 miles ahead of me or so and it had been lashing rain all day. And now, uh, as I was just set setting out on my journey, the wind was blowing a huli. Uh, and um, I was travelling down. Most of you, will know if you're, you're you're from this area. You'll have heard of the the Frost's Road. It was the main road from North Antrim that took you to Balamina and then beyond. And in those days, the Frostes Road was not the dual carriageway that it is now. It was a, it was a single road, and it had the Uh, Dubious reputation as being the most dangerous road in Northern Ireland. This was due to the fact that it uh, went straight through the Garry Bog. And of course the underlying peat made the road very unstable and it had subsided here and there over the years. And drivers who were tempted to speed along this, the long stretches of this road very often came undone uh, in the humps, treacherous sort of humps and hollows along the road. Now, on the night of my journey the lash and rain that was mist uh, uh, everywhere and the vis- visibility was down to just a few yards i knew the road well cuz i was up and down it every day but i hadn't been driving for very long and uh, i was nervous and my main concern was all the surface water it was like a river in places And of course, when I'd been learning to drive, I'd heard about this phenomenon known as aquaplaning and the disastrous consequences that resulted from flying off a road due to uh, the water. And as I was carefully driving down this road, suddenly I saw this figure on the left-hand side of the road with arm out extended in an obvious appeal for help. But I did not stop. I drove past And uh, before you judge me, let me explain. It was the mid-1980s. The Troubles in Northern Ireland were at their height. There was murder and mayhem on an almost daily basis. Uh, Anybody that was from here will remember what that was like. I was nervous, as people generally were. So it was not against my better judgment that I drove on, but it was against my conscience. And about a mile down the road, my conscience got the better of me. Uh, there was neither a light nor another car, a house anywhere to be seen for miles. It was pitch black. So I turned the car around and I went back, drove past the figure again, turned around again, and came back down the road. And when I got close enough to study the figure, I realised that it was an old woman. So I leaned across. It was the old screw down windows in those days. I screwed the window down and I, uh, this old lady leaned in the window and the first thing she said in this kind of breathy voice was, may the Lord bless you. Well, I just said, get in because the wind and the rain was blowing all in around the car but she didn't seem to be able to manage the handle of the car so I jumped out and I ran round and I let her in uh, closed the door behind her ran back round again and then in those few seconds out in the rain I was drenched my hair was dripping wet and as I sat in the driver's seat I could feel the cold wet material sticking to the backs of my legs that's a terrible night I said But I got no response from the woman, except this big, wearisome sigh. (sighs) Just before the interior light went off, I took a sideways glance at her. And she was dressed in this big, long, woolen coat, long coat. And she wore a woolen uh, hat on her head, like a bobble hat without the bobble. She had big bony wrists and big work-hardened hands like a farmer's. And on her lap was what looked like, to me, one of those old Victorian carpet bags. And she held on to that like grim death as she just stared ahead of her out the, out the um, windscreen. If uh, I were to ask you to describe a fairy tale witch, you would describe this woman. Her nose was big and hooked. She was thin-lipped and gaunt. Her face was a, a, the skin of her face. And, and what I could see in her backs of her hands was like a golden brown colour, the colour of the, this kilt seaweed that you see on the beach. And I imagined that it had that same cold, leathery feel to it. Her face was so lined and wrinkled, it gave her this really care-worn appearance. And having had no response to my first uh, attempt at speaking to her, I tried again and I said to her, That really is a wild night. And she just sighed again. So I tried a different tack. I said, Where are you heading on a night like this, anyway? And this time she said, Belfast. Well, by this stage, the hairs on the back of my neck were standing straight up. And I started the speed talk just with with nerves. And I said, I'm not going to Belfast. I'm sorry, I couldn't take you that far tonight. I wouldn't have enough fuel anyway. I can take you to Ballymena. That's the next town. But that's as far as I could go because I'm going in this direction. And eventually I ran out of breath and things to say. And we drove along in silence. And the mist and the rain was so bad, I could hardly take my eyes off the road. I was leaned forward in the driving seat, staring out the windscreen. But every now and again, I could it across at this woman just for a second or two before I could, had to return my eyes to the road. And whenever I looked at her, she just sat there holding onto this carpet bag, staring straight ahead of her. And then after a while, I got that strange feeling. You know the one. Everyone knows this feeling when you're being watched. But this was more powerful than that. It was like someone was boring into the back of my neck. And when I glanced across at this woman, her face was right there. And I drew back. And as I drew back, she came forward. Well, of course, I had to look back to the road again. And when I did, she rasped into my left ear. (sighs) Well, the adrenaline was coursing through my body. I glanced at my speedometer. I was doing 70 miles per hour, probably uh, in, a, in a subconscious attempt to get away from this danger, but it was obviously far too fast for the road conditions. So I lifted my foot off the accelerator, planted it on the brake, and within about 50 yards, I had halved my speed. A second later, we hit this Lake of water that was flooded all over the road. Uh, The noise was tremendous. It was like being one of those big industrial car washes. I couldn't see anything except water. It came up over the windscreen, over the windows. I couldn't see anything. It was like being underwater. Uh, Eventually, it fell away from the windscreen and the windows. I could see the road ahead just and I started, I was revving the engine, so trying to stop the engine from conking out as the, those old cars were prone to do in those days. If I had hit that water at 70 miles per hour, we would not have survived. Well, at least we would have been off the road for sure. I felt another rush of adrenaline. My legs were trembling. And for the rest of that journey, my strange passenger and me never passed another word. Half an hour later, I dropped her outside the Adair Arms Hotel in Ballymena. As we parted, she got out of the car. She leaned back in again and done this again. May the Lord bless you. I wasn't particularly religious then. I'm not religious now. But that really, uh, again, made the hair stand on the back of my neck. By this time, it was one in the morning. My legs were like jelly. I just wanted to get home. But of all the strange things that happened that night, and I don't know why I didn't notice it when she got in the car, but I noticed it afterwards. When I got home, my car seat was damp from me having been soaked when I got out of the rain. Her car seat was bone dry and uh, and when I realized that I remembered what she got in the car she didn't appear to be wet she should have been running with water but she wasn't anyway I had a very restless night's sleep as you can imagine I went back up to the north coast the next day I told an older man who I was friendly with about what had happened the night before and he just he was a native of the area and he uh had this wry smile on his face. And he said, that'll be the bog woman. And I said, the bog woman? Is she she? she a local? Is she right in the head? Oh, no, he says, she's a ghost. Well, I don't know what she was, but I telephoned the hotel the next day and I asked, had anyone checked in? And they told me that no one had I told my mother the story so disturbed I was by it, and her only reply was um, guardian angels come in all disguises, son. And I have thought about this bog woman many, many times over the years, and I was never able to come to any rational conclusion as to who or what she was. told the story a few times to close family members. But that was all i i wrote the story down actually a couple of days later and told it to family members but that was all and the story might have ended there except that 25 years later in an article in a local newspaper the larn times in fact i read this kind of thought for the week thing and it was by one of these christian contributors and he described that on one dreary November evening in 1992, he had reluctantly stopped to give this old woman a lift. He said in his article that he was dealing with a, a very serious personal tragedy in his life at the time, and he had no desire to pick up a stranger in his car. But anyway, because of the time of the evening, in the middle of nowhere, he felt compelled to do so. He remembered in this article that her com- the conversation with her was very awkward and that she repeatedly said to him, may the Lord bless you. He was a religious man and somehow or another he took comfort from her repeated blessings. He described her as having an amber glow to her skin and that her dress was uh, old-fashioned. Behind the times. And after a few miles, the woman asked to get out of the car. He was reluctant to do so because they were still in the middle of nowhere. But she insisted. She got out of the car. He drove on. He looked in his rear view mirror and she was gone. So alarmed was he by this that he reversed back to where he dropped her off. Checked all around, he said in his article, and she was gone. Well... You can imagine I had to contact this man, and I did through the paper. He gave me his telephone number and so on. Um, we had a very long conversation about our uncannily similar and equally strange experiences, and I really the, the whole rationale behind me ringing this man was to find out more about the bog woman, and I, I wanted an explanation. He was unable to offer one, except to refer me back to his article in the newspaper in which he had quoted the Bible and a letter from St. Paul to the Hebrews in which it said, always show kindness to strangers. You may be entertaining an angel without knowing it.